This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. I am Jeff Rubin, joined today by Skype on the phone by Lynn Barron, a former Disneyland custodian and co-author of the book Cleaning the Kingdom, Insider Tales of Keeping Walt's Dream Spotless, and co-host of the Sweep Spot podcast. Lynn, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. No problem. Lynn, give me some sense of history here. Um, When did you first start to work at Disneyland? And this is Disneyland, not Disney World, just to be clear. This is the one in Los right. Angeles. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles, so I kind of was going to Disneyland most of my life. Um, and then I started to work there the first time. I had two times that I worked there at 93. How old uh, were you? Uh, I was like 21 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I worked in the food, so I had like bus tables. And then five years later, I went back and I worked with Custodial, and I was there for almost ten years. So everyone that's listening is just starting to get to know you. Um, but I have read the book and I've listened to the podcast, so I know you love Disneyland, and this is in your blood. So I guess, like, I'm just kind of curious, like, why um, did you leave, and what brought you back to it? I was young the first time, and I. Messed, you know, I called in sick a lot and just didn't really take the job seriously, I guess. You know, when you're young, you make stupid decisions, but, um, and when you're older sometimes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I ended up, uh, not being able to go back to work there. <laughs> and so I, when I went back in 98, I kind of had to explain why they should hire me back. And, and I, told him you know i was just a dumb kid and i'm serious about life now and i want to work it must have been hard yeah i mean you could have worked anywhere so like it must have been hard to like go back to somewhere where you had this bad experience and to own up to previous mistakes um like what compelled you to do that instead of you know getting a job somewhere where you didn't have a history and where you wouldn't have had to explain that i just really love disneyland i love the history i loved everything about it and i'd say probably within that time span i because I was an annual pass holder even after that. Um, I just grew to appreciate the history and what Disneyland is. Did you enjoy working there? Did working there contribute to your enjoyment of Disneyland? I feel like it could go one way, two ways. It could yeah. make you hate it or it could make you love it even more. What what happened? <laughs> I don't, People ask that, like, does it ruin the magic? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think so. And I think it, it can enhance it if you are a really curious person. You want to know how things work. And uh, that's what I am. So I enjoyed learning about everything that went on behind the scenes, and that was really cool. So the first time was in food services. The second time was right. as a custodian. Mm-hmm. Did you work in food services as and or as a custodian in other places, or was that just kind of a way into Disney for you? The first time? Either time. Uh, I, I specifically asked for custodial the second time because I had a mutual friend that was in custodial and they had told me that it's it's good because you get to walk all around you're not in just one area you're not stuck in a kitchen or behind a counter in a store you're you're outside you're in different areas every day doing a different assignment every day and that sounded appealing to me so you're not just like a fantasy land custodian you're a disneyland custodian you get the whole park is sort of your domain right, right? 
So right. you must like really know that park like inside and out, right? <laughs> Pretty good, yeah. What was the the worst kingdom to clean and what was the best kingdom to clean? <laughs> it just depended on what was going on at you know, if there was a new attraction in this area or not. But a lot of times Main Street at the end of the night is the worst because everyone had to leave that way. Um doing show cleanups sometimes, like Phasmic. Um, those could get really bad. Some of the better ones, it just depended because some people didn't want to work around guests a lot, so they would pick something like the parking structure. But to me, that I mean, you could do that anywhere. Why? Why? If you're going to work at Disneyland, why work in a parking structure? But you know, I I enjoy doing it all. I I liked all the different lands. I mostly Ken, my co-host on our show and co-author. He and I both worked on the west side, and we enjoyed that Adventureland in New Orleans area. There was a lot more trees over there, so it was shady, more shady. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just quickly, just so I understand, is there a difference between a custodian and a janitor? Are those synonyms? Or are they different jobs? At, at Disneyland, it was just just a custodian. But I know what you're saying that some people would call us janitors or jannies, but I think a custodian is uh, more of takes ownership of an area or something you know they're the custodian of something so that was kind of what why i think they took that that title more so it sounds like the second time you went back was a good experience it sounds like that was a good experience because you're still writing and talking about it and you, you had done some growing up um so i mean disneyland the thing i love about disneyland is they do everything in an interesting way, right? Like Universal mm-hmm. Studios and all the others are kind of the same. But Disney, usually most elements of Disney are very well considered and very well thought out. Um, what is like special and what's different about the way Disney cleans the parks versus how other places might clean their, you know, parks? I don't, I think what it is is that they, Disney, well, it kind of goes back to Walt and his vision on how he wanted it to be different than at the time in the 50, you know, 50s and before it was amusement parks and they were known for being dirty and um, I think he wanted the opposite of that. He wanted to be super clean. So to carry that vision on and on through the decades now, um, Disney's put the time, the training and the money into making sure that that, that is you know, carrying on. Um, you know, Universal, I think they strive to obviously – you know, safety and cleanliness is important, but I don't. I don't think they they put it as high up as maybe Disney does. Yeah, so it's just a matter of prioritization. That's what you're telling me. Yeah, that's what I think. Are there any like sort of cleaning tasks that are unique to Disneyland that you know you wouldn't have to worry about if you were a custodian at a high school or a football stadium or just anything else? Maybe cleaning up after a parade, For- uh, confetti. <laughs> How do you yeah. clean confetti? Because confetti is a nightmare to clean, right? Oh yeah, and, and at Disneyland, everything everything had to have confetti, right? Everything's better with confetti. <laughs> so how do you clean up the confetti? Sometimes it, the confetti would be shot like from Main Street off the building, so it would get stuck on the canopies, and the bushes everywhere. So we actually, at one point, I don't think they do this anymore because of safety, but we actually would have people hanging off the building with blowers blowing off the canopies, and then. Then once it got to the ground, we'd take big vacuums and we'd walk down Main Street and down the parade route and suck it all up. Can you walk me through like an <laughs> average day in the life of a custodian at Disneyland? How does it work? When do you show up? So 
it, working at Disneyland, when we worked there, most people would get dressed and changed um, at at the park. So you'd come in your street clothes, we'd call it, and then you would change into your costume, and then you would go check in at a custodial office that was a central location for all the custodians, and then from where, there, where is that office? Is that like? Oh. Is that yeah. off-site or is it like under Thunder Mountain or something cool like that? <laughs> no, it's actually uh, it's like in an office building. Um, you know, the railroad. There's a diorama scene with the Grand Canyon and all that. That's actually of an office building. That yeah. whole thing is and is the um, office building like fun and Disney-fied or is it just a regular office building? Yeah, just regular. Yeah, just yeah. Um, so we would go and check in there, and they would tell us. You know, we would already kind of know on our schedule where we would be that day, like Fantasyland or Frontierland. But we would just check in, and then we'd go to that area. And then we'd find out what our assignment is once we arrived in that area. Um, And what are some potential assignments? Sweeping? Yeah, like you would sweep, like, say, um, Frontierland has... Frontierland area that's over like by Big Thunder Mountain, the entrance of Frontierland. And then, so we would share Frontier Adventureland was one area. And then we'd have someone in Adventureland and we have someone that would go like bridge to bridge. We would call it like pirates to Big Thunder Mountain. And so you would have one of those sweeping assignments and all you would do is you're supposed to do the whole area within 15 minutes and and continue that throughout your shift. Uh, So one area was always getting swept at least every 15 minutes. And then, um, or you could do trash. We'd have people that would dump tra- all the trash cans in that area. Are the, the trash cans at Disney are kind of fun. Like they have their themes to the area they're in. They're not just like green mesh baskets. Are there like fun Disney dumpsters that they eventually end up in? No, it's just a big, big white gray just, dumpster. In the just back. full yeah. of trash, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you're right. They are they are kind of themed, and a lot of people are really fascinated by the the designs. And I mean, they've even made salt and pepper shakers out of them. I mean, out of the, out of the trash yeah, cans. You're right. Yeah. Do you ever have to clean the rides? Is anyone ever like, oh, someone has to go dust off the Johnny Depp robot? I guess Johnny Depp robot wasn't there when you were there, or but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what was, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was mostly like night crew that would do a lot of the, the weird, you know, the stuff that was maybe like that because then the rides would be closed and we worked mostly we i mean we would work night but it wasn't called night crew we would work somewhere between 5 a.m and maybe 2 a.m and then night crew coming at midnight to like eight in the morning so there's like disneyland at 24 hours a day there's people walking around i mean it's closed but 24 hours a day there's people getting it ready for when it's open right right what's it like at night like what is disneyland like when it's just not full of tourists and families and me and uh instead it's just like you know the staff and it's like kind of calm not everything's on what what is the feeling like then that's the best so it's uh just really quiet some areas will still have the music that continues to play all day you know tell me it's a small world plays all night no i don't think so (laughs) but yeah and then some areas are really quiet and some people pump you know whatever they want music in the area um you know, just whatever. Um, it, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I mean, you can walk around. You can see things you don't maybe notice. Um, some of the things are actually louder than you realize, too. I, you could hear the Snow White wishing well, the Snow White singing over there, all the way over in, like, Critter Country. So it's kind of 
kind of interesting to see what it's like. I mean, there's trucks and, you know, maintenance crews just driving everywhere. Um, they hose off all the surfaces, so there's water everywhere. Uh, do you guys ever say, I don't know, someone's like, you're a little bored today. Let's turn on Splash Mountain for a half hour and, you know, g- give it a go. There's none of that, right? No, not really. And no, and all the ride operators leave, you know, after the park closes. But there are maintenance people that run, you know, test run and, try, you know, things during the night also. But, yeah, I mean, sometimes at the end of the night when we were sweeping out maybe a uh, – a lines queue, you know, a queue, um, and the ride operators were still there winding it down. They might say, "Hey, want to, you know, take a last ride or something?" And so we go, "Yeah, sure," and jump in. But that was kind of a rare thing, but it did happen. So you're someone who's like been at Disneyland more uh, than most. You're you're so full of it. So full of Disneyland, not full of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So you're so, you're so you you've, you've drank so much Disneyland. Even after all that, like having done everything you can possibly do at the park, I imagine, like what is your favorite thing to do? Is there anything that like still has that magic that you still get excited about when you, you have a chance to go on it? I think Pirates and, of Caribbean and um, Haunted Mansion are my two favorites. And I think just because those represent the Disneyland that, you know, when Walt was there, I mean, he, those didn't open until after he died, but he had his hand in a lot of those. And the auto animatronics and the imagination and the details that went into both of those are just amazing. So you seem like you are really interested not just in Disneyland today and getting there and going on rides, but in the history of it. Did you learn more about the history uh, while you were there? Yeah, I mean, because when you're sleeping or you know, you're curious, you check things out. And then also they would um, – they would kind of give us the basics, teachings of the history, and um, some of the people we worked with were older. And I mean, some of the guys we we worked with had started in the '60s, and to talk with them about times, you know, things that happened then, and and even some of them worked there when Walt was there was amazing. What what kind of stories do they have? Like, what's the difference between working in Disneyland in the '60s versus working there when you worked there? It seemed like. They like they were, they were strict, but they also had more fun. Like there wasn't as many of these safety thing. I mean, not that they weren't trying to be safe, but you know what I mean. Nowadays, it's like everything has you know has extra this and extra that because people are afraid of being sued. But um, I think that it just seemed like they had more fun, like with the job, and not to say that we didn't, but it seemed like they had more. Uh, in your book, you you talk about sort of the history of custodial services at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you research that? Just by talking with some of those older people and finding out about it. I mean, it was just amazing to find out that the, our manager Ray he was the second ever manager of custodial, and we were there working with him and. And Disneyland started in 55, so there was only one other Chuck before him, and Chuck was hired by Walt. So to for that to only be, you know, two people in that amount of time is just amazing. just shows you that, you know, how, how Disneyland is with their management and stuff. Yeah, I actually have a memory that maybe I'm making up, but... <laughs> 
I remember being at Disneyland once and seeing like a piece of gum on the ground and seeing a very cheerful like old custodian uh, probably whistling in my imagination in my recollection he's like whistling <laughs> and kind of like lean over like flip out a tool out of his belt kind of bend over and like scrape very like scrape it up with a smile on his face and then like put the tool away and keep smiling it was like something out of a cartoon and it like always <laughs> stuck with me because like uh, a lot of custodians you see at other places um, maybe don't have quite that much of a positive attitude and I guess I'm wondering like where does that story sound sound true to you and if so like where that comes from it's just a matter of treating your employees well is it a matter of being at Disneyland all day <laughs> yeah I I think that yeah they treat treat you well I mean there's a lot of perks and benefits to the job but also Wait, just question unlimited Disneyland yeah. can you go to unlimited Disneyland oh. when you work there Unlimited Disneyland. Uh, you can go to Disneyland as many. Yeah, you can go after you're off work if you want. Did you ever want to go to off? Once you were done no. with work, did you ever want to come back? You did not. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so I'm sorry I interrupted yeah. you. There were perks uh, and it was uh, good. Yeah, just like I was saying earlier with the, the vision that Walt left for everyone to, you know, with cleanliness and, and that's passed down and they make sure that, you know, that you understand that that's something important. They tell everyone. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a manager, a ride operator, or what you do. You are to help keep the park clean. So if you're walking across somewhere and you are a chef in New Orleans and you see trash, you're supposed to bend over and pick it up. And so that's just kind of something they teach everyone. What's something um, that you as a custodian had to do at Disneyland that people would not appreciate that custodians at Disneyland have to worry about? Oh, you mean like some of the bad stuff? Like, well, just some of like the surprising <laughs> tasks that like people don't appreciate that people at Disneyland oh. are like worrying about. But I'll I'll take some bad stuff later too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. There, I mean, some of the jobs are just you know because there's so many people in the park. There's a lot of things that happen. There could be, you know, someone getting sick to someone hurting themselves to emotional breakdowns to lost children to, so there's all those different things that happen that you wouldn't run across in a normal job. Probably. Is there like a craziest thing you ever witnessed at Disneyland? Like a one-off event that, you know, you just spent so much time there. Is there like a day where you were like, I cannot believe that happened. Uh, a lot of things like that. Yeah. Uh, so a lot, well, it seems like the bad stuff always sticks out, you know. But uh, so Ken and I were both leads, and we were in charge of uh, responding to calls. So we would get a call, say we were the Tomorrowland lead, and we'd get a call. There's a spill over in the Star Trader shop, and we go okay. So we go over there and we clean up the spill. Well, Tomorrowland has a lot of attractions that uh, people are potentially can get sick on like star tours, motion ride, um, space mountains, a roller coaster. Um, so <laughs> we would get, there was one day it was really busy. I was a uh, lead and I ended up with getting 36 calls. I started counting after like six or eight. I don't know, but I had 36 calls for code V. And now we called them code V because V is for vomit. And so, yeah, 36 in one day. What was going on? I don't know. I thought, man, what are they serving here? But uh, I don't know. Just random calls, just people getting sick. It was really warm that day, too. So, I think, hmm. And you know. the vomiting, you, you suspected it was food-related and not, say, thrill-ride-related? No, I think I was just kidding. I think it was thrill-ride-related and just being so warm. 
Is there and, a lot of that at Disneyland? Do people barf on the rides often? Because they're oh, not like yeah. super. They're not like the roller coasters, you know. No, I just kids like throw up spontaneously. Totally, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, kids throw <laughs> up. I get it. <laughs> yeah, it just happens. Like, and I think they get excited. They're they're somewhere new, somewhere exciting, and they just had a big breakfast. And next thing you know, so. On the other side of the coin, is there a day where you had your greatest triumph where there was like something where you felt like you were really able to have, a, you know, make your mark in Disney custodial services? I think some of the busy days you feel that way. Um, some of them you don't maybe not feel that you accomplished a lot, but you feel like you made it. Like <laughs> like New Year's Eve 1999. Remember Y2K? Yeah, of course. Yeah. How so, can I forget? How did that play out? At Dis- <laughs> how did Y2K affect Disneyland operations? Well, you know, everyone, not just Disneyland, thought that computers were going to shut down. Everything was going to shut down, right? So there was all these precautions being taken, but at the same time, they didn't know. So they had they prepared us by we each had um, had to carry a flashlight, and then when the guests came in that day, you know those little glow sticks that you crack and they sure, start yeah. to. They they handed everyone that said, you know, uh, New Year's Eve 2000 and all this on it. And they handed everyone one of those. So their idea was that if the electricity went out, everyone had one of those glow sticks, there'd still be, be some light. So, um, But it was super crowded. And just to walk like 20 feet, I would have to go. I was on restrooms. I had to go from one restroom to the other. About 20 feet, it took um, probably about... 30 minutes or more to just get that distance. And this is New Year's Eve, 1999. This yeah. Is like we're ringing in the millennium at Disneyland. Right. Yeah. It was, it was one of, you know, there was a lot of days like that, like the day after Christmas, usually very, very busy, but things like that would happen. And you just walk away that, you know, after and just, like, wow, that was amazing. I mean, yeah, it was crowded. It was busy. We worked hard, but, but it was, you know, it was nice to have it over with. And Yeah. I imagine like working at Disneyland is probably not for everyone, but it sounds like it was at least the second time. It was for you. Why do you think you you enjoyed it so much? Is it just because you had that history with Disneyland yourself? I think so. I I just just meshed with me and where I was in my life at that time, and um, you get to meet a lot of cool people there. That's where I met Ken, and we're still friends today. And that was. You know, over 20 years ago now. Um, well, about 20 years. So, um, just you, you know, it's like a kind of like like a fraternity or something. I mean, you you get to know these people. Sometimes after work, you go out with them, hang out. Um, just a lot of fun working with people. And Ken is the you already mentioned this, but the co-author of your book and the co-host of your podcast. At what point were you and Ken like, oh, you know what, we should write a book about this? Probably. Close to the time he left, about two years before I did, and because um, he had another job, he worked in an office in Los Angeles, and it was just kind of getting in the way, and that was his main job at that time. Um, so he left two years before I did, and we talked about it. You know, we'd just joke around; things would happen, and you know, something would happen in one day, and we're like, "We got to write this stuff down." So, and then we joked; we said. Maybe we'll write a book someday about this stuff, you know. And so, so it to, to actually happen was amazing. And when did you write the book? Uh, see, it came out in 2015. So fairly recently. 
And you mm-hmm. were both no longer working at Disneyland. It's probably hard to do that when right. you're working at Disneyland, I suspect. Right, yeah. And why did you leave Disneyland the second time? Uh, my wife and I were expecting uh, our son and You wanted to deprive in, him of growing up near Disneyland right. with unlimited access? Right. We didn't want him to be near – no. Uh, it's just expensive in the L.A. area to live and we just we didn't want to live in, in an apartment i mean apartment's fine but where we were living is too small and my wife had some family in utah and we thought it was nice there and we had to make a hard decision but yeah and do you out. ever visit la and disneyland when was the last time you were there last week <laughs> so yes <laughs> and and i mean now that you don't work there is it fun to go back again there's probably tons of stuff that like you know you haven't seen the guts of that you know that has gone up since you left right Right. Yeah, it's different. It's almost like there's different ways of seeing Disneyland through the eyes of when you worked there, through the eye, through the memories you had as as a child growing up with Disneyland, and then the current, you know, with seeing it through your son's eyes, you know, with with the wife now and everything. It's just, it, I don't know. It's just really weird to to see it in all those different ways, but still go there and have all those memories of when I worked there. Um, yeah, it's just unreal, but it, it's it's good. It's just. What's the first thing you rode when you went back? We've been so many times since we go about two times a year. But uh, my son likes Big Thunder Mountain, so that seems to be the first one we always go on. But pirates, of course, you know. And the podcast you and Ken also host this podcast. This is sort of like an ongoing tribute to Disney that you put together. Can you describe the podcast briefly? So, because I missed Disneyland and I missed work because. It's hard to explain, but when you work at Disneyland, it actually, I mean, if you had a good experience there, it's actually hard to leave. Um, people stay there for a long time. So when I when I was kind of not forced to leave, but kind of made that decision, I kind of started to have like withdrawals, like you start to kind of miss it. And I thought, hmm. So I started looking into podcasting and uh, started listening to other podcasts. I didn't even know what a podcast was. And Started checking it out. Thought, wow, there's like all these Disney podcasts. There's people talking about Disneyland. So, I started listening to one called Wedway Radio, and they talk about all about the history, and they talk about Disney World too. But um, I thought this is amazing. So, I thought maybe I could do that someday. And so, I'm not a very good speaker, I don't think. I just, but I have a passion. So, I thought, yeah, I could do this. So, I I asked Ken at first, but he couldn't commit. So. Uh, because he had something stuff going on, so he couldn't do it. So I asked another friend I worked with, Laura, and she said yes. So we did it about two. I think it was about two years with her, and then um, she couldn't do any longer. So then uh, Ken, at that time, could start could do it, and he's been on the show ever since. But the show's been around now for seven years, and we're up to episode tonight. We're recording episode two thirty nine. And what I enjoyed about listening to your show is it's almost, I felt, kind of almost like my show, but focused entirely on Disneyland, and that you guys get uh, guests who do interesting jobs that you had never thought about in Disneyland, like yourself, like all these kind of nuts and bolts people who are like working at interesting angles of Disneyland, right? Right, yeah. Like last episode, we had someone that was one of the Matterhorn climbers, and they don't have that currently anymore, but that was a big thing. Um, back in that time, and this fellow, he was there in the '60s, and so that's a totally unique job. I mean, I mean, how many people could say that? 
he, so how did that work? People would climb. The Matterhorn is a roller yeah. coaster that's like themed like an alpine mountain. And right. there's a Yeti at some point. Spoiler alert, there's a Yeti, which they recently redid, and it's much better now. It's cool. And oh, yeah. uh, the, the, the old one was nice, too. But this is a, something I'm not aware <laughs> of. In, in the 60s and the 70s, you're telling me people would actually just – there would be people climbing all over the mountain just for kind of ambiance? Yeah, ambiance, like a show in a way. Um, so they were dressed like in Swiss, you know, supposed to be the Matterhorn from Switzerland, but they would be dressed, you know, in that that kind of outfit, and their their job was just to climb around the mountain. And what did you learn from him? That that they had a lot of fun doing it, and but it wasn't easy, you know. I mean, they had differences from maybe. Climbing Parker, you know, somewhere else rather than Disneyland. So you have every, all these people watching you, and so one time he, you know, he explained to us that he slipped, and he didn't he didn't fall, you know, all the way down or anything, but he, you know, he fell a good twenty feet or so down the mountain, and everyone has cameras, everyone's filming, you know. So there's actually a you can go on YouTube and look, but there's a actually a little video of him when he fell. So. Kind of interesting. That is interesting. Who were yeah. some other people who like um, had jobs at Disneyland that most people wouldn't even be aware existed that you have spoken to uh, with Ken while doing this podcast? We had a lady on that was in charge of the horses. You know the horses you see on Main Street that pull the 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 little trolleys, and she was in charge of not just the horses but any animals that were at Disneyland. Now, does that include Donald and Pluto? <laughs> no, like the live, real animals. So horses and um, like Tarzan's treehouse at one time, they had um, just people standing around with exotic animals, like from the jungle. So someone would have a snake or something just for people to pet or I don't know. So they had a bunch of weird things. And what did you learn from her? Well, just... Just how, how neat it was that they had this whole training process because horses aren't naturally around, you know, used to being around thousands of people and to be pulling something like that every day. And they want to, and that's kind of what they, what these horses, not tortured to them, but what they were, you know, made to do. Was, and then, so but not in front of all these people. So what they would do is they would play sounds around the horses to get them used to those noises. Like Disneyland sounds? Right, like the music and crowd noise, um, kids screaming, um, sometimes maybe something loud like a, uh, the Mark Twain whistle is really loud. The, the Columbia sailing ship has a cannon that goes off every now and then. Um, that's really loud. So just these different noises that the horses would have to get used to. So they would play like these sounds inside the stable to get them used to that. It's kind of interesting. Do you have a favorite episode of your own podcast, The Sweep Spot, um, that someone could go listen to that, that you would recommend as like a, a gateway episode? I can't think of one offhand. In, they just all start blending together after a while. Don't I know it? But <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of one that. I mean, I can, I don't remember the numbers, but I just remember different guests that we've had. Yeah, um, who are some of the who are some of the guest people should look for? So 
when we've had a guy named Jim Corcus on, he's a Disney historian and very fun to listen to and so knowledgeable and just a fun guy. He's going to be on our show tonight when the episode will be out actually tomorrow, the, what is it, the 21st or something? Tomorrow. But whenever he's on there, we do a, an episode, we do a series of shows that are, so we're in the year 2018 now. So we do all the years. For instance, it's, the year 2018 now, so we will do all the shows that have to do with, or that end with with eight. So we would do, we would talk about the history, or you know, events that happened in the year 58, 68, 78, 88, and usually we won't go too much later because it, not a whole lot has changed in that time. So, but. You you're, you're, that's how you focus because there's so much to talk about with this person. You've already obviously oh, yeah. over 200 some odd episodes. You know, talked a lot about Disney history. I'm assuming. So we got a Disney historian tonight. What are we going to talk about? Things that happened in years that end with eight in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some of those? Like what what happened in '68 or '78 or like what's on the docket for tonight's episode? Well, like '68, we were finding that it was kind of a not a boring year, but not a lot because. 67 was a huge year with Pirates opening, the new Tomorrowland opening, and those are huge projects that happened. But then 68 was kind of an in-between year because you have the Haunted Mansion in 69 that opened. So it's a little more challenging, but but Jim brings us stories that things that I didn't even, not, not that I know at all, but I think I know a good amount, but he'll bring stuff I'm like, oh, really? You know, just surprising. And he's a good author. He's an author. And so if you look on there and you see uh, Disneyland 1967, then that he'll probably be on that show. And it's just a lot of fun to listen to and learn things from, um, from him on those. Uh, you know, you've talked to so many people at Disney who've done so many different jobs. Do you, in your mind, have an idea for what the hardest job at Disneyland is? I don't know. Like, there's jobs that I wouldn't want to do. Not that it's hard. It just doesn't seem appealing. Like, working in a kitchen, maybe. So I wouldn't say it's hard, but I guess it could be. But I don't know. I would think custodial is hard but rewarding. What makes it rewarding? Just, Just by keeping it clean and we... I mean, where would you work that people would say, thank you for keeping this place clean, where you see someone that's cleaning? You know, you see someone cleaning the mall, you most likely aren't going to go up and go, hey, thanks for keeping the mall clean, you know. But we would get that all the time. People would come up and say, hey, thank you so much for keeping Disneyland clean. I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. So things like that really are encouraging. And then like I was talking about the legacy, and then at the end of the night, just knowing that you know you did your job well and you helped keep the place clean, which in some ways keeps people happy and safe. Um, and can I ask, what do you do now that you're in Utah? I don't know of any theme parks in Utah, so I, I'm not sure what you do. <laughs> Actually, the same work. I'm at a school cleaning. Are you able to use some of the skills that you learned at Disneyland there? Yeah, like you know when I spoke about the code V's earlier. Um, you know, at schools, people get sick. So it seems like I get called often because they know that I don't have a problem with cleaning those up because I've done so many. I threw up in high school once. I'm not proud of it. It was oh, really? a sick thing. It wasn't uh, a nervous thing, but I threw up in the hall once in high school. Wasn't, you know. <laughs> right. So that happens. So, yeah. Yeah, it, I, hap- it happens. I can, I can speak. <laughs> so, yeah, I had to clean those up. So it doesn't bother me. Cool. Um, well, the book is called Cleaning the Kingdom, Insider Tales of Walt's 
of keeping Wall Street spotless. The podcast is called The Sweep Spot, so multiple ways to keep up with you. Uh, yeah. And where can people get the book? It's everywhere, right? Yeah, Amazon. The best, if you want an autographed copy, you can go to our website, thesweepspot.com, and you can buy it on there. There's two different shipping options there. And I'll, I'm, I will personally mail it to you. Um, and you, also, it's on Kindle. We did an audio version of the book. That did Ken, you read it? Ken did, yeah. Oh, Ken read it. We were we were gonna do both, and then it just seemed kind of weird. It was like all of a sudden I jump in, and then it was just it didn't really work well. So I just said, "Why don't you do it?" He has this nice deep voice, so um, he did it. So yeah, you can get that on Audible.com or iTunes store. Um, yeah. yeah, it's fun because the book is kind of written from both of your perspectives, and you're both like sharing stories in it. So um, I'm, I'm sure that's fun to listen to too. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, uh, Lynn, thank you so much uh, making time telling us about cleaning the Magic Kingdom today. Really enjoyed hearing about it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. That was a HeadGum podcast. Actually, not quite yet, because once the official interview had concluded, of course, me and Lynn kept talking about Disneyland, uh, and I got one more story out of him, and I'm recording this transitional piece in a hotel room just to set up this last bit, um, because I want you to hear this one last story. Here we go. So... I don't, I'm not saying I believe in ghosts, but I, maybe I do. I don't know. But this is what happened to me. Um, so and the park closes at night. What they do is they try to clear the areas as far in the far areas, and, they, and security kind of sweeps the park. They check restrooms everywhere, and then they kind of get to the middle, the hub. And then from there, they go down Main Street, and they just tell people, hey, you know, you got to get going. And and then eventually they'll call on our radio because we were leads. We'd carry radios, and they would say, clear to the hub. It means pretty much all the areas except for Main Street are clear. And then they'd eventually say, clear to Town Square. And then the next one would be clear. The park is now clear of all guests. So that was said, and... I was walking from one location to go back to our custodial office to turn in my keys and radio. And I was walking across the hub towards um, Tomorrowland. And there's a restroom nearby and the Tomorrowland entrance. And all of a sudden I see these two ladies. There's a one is like maybe a teenage age and another's probably, you know, maybe in her thirties or forties. And, they had like these Victorian dresses on and hats and I spoke with the English accent and I thought, what in the world is going on? And, you know, we don't even have anything like that at Disneyland, any any costumes, that's what they call uniforms, uh, or anything like that there. And the lady came up and she asked me, she said, I'm, I'm sorry to, inter- to you know bother you, but we're looking for a place to eat. And I said... Oh, I said, well, the park's closed. It's been closed now for you know, almost two hours. Oh, we're so sorry. And I said, yeah. I said, you probably need to start exiting down Main Street here. And at that same time, I'm looking around for security, like, what in the world? And so I pointed down Main Street, and they kind of started to walk away, maybe 20 feet away. And I called security over, and I said, hey, hey, you know. And I started telling them about the ladies and so he said i'll go in the back area behind main street you go up main street so i checked all these stores and everything was i mean there's no place for them to go because all the doors were shut on main street he went through the back area nothing and then he said no i never found him i don't know and i said wow 
he said, are you sure? And I go, yeah, I mean, I'm tired, but <laughs> I'm positive. And the, and the little girl had a balloon that was like something I remember seeing in pic- pictures from like the 60s or 70s. So it was just a stamped Disneyland like red balloon. It was nothing fancy. And I thought, that's weird. Okay. So I thought, well, whatever. So I just went home and kind of forgot about it. And then maybe a year later, we were talking, a bunch of us custodians, and there was a woman there that worked there. And we started talking about ghosts or, you know, weird things. And she says, um, <clears throat> there's a – I always hear these these ladies in this uh, restroom when I walk in late at night. And they have English accents. And remember I mentioned I was near a restroom, and it was that same restroom. She said, yeah, and they have English accents, and then they – it just, just, you know, I don't actually see them. I just hear the voices. And I said, oh. I said, so I told her about my experience. And she said, you talk to them. You actually talk to them. And I said, are you serious? She said, yeah. So we, I turned like white, you know, and I was like, oh, no. So that's kind of my ghost story. And I don't know, you know, you could, I've tried to think of different things. Like, well, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. But I don't know. <laughs> Do a lot of people that work at Disneyland have ghost stories? I mean, there's just so much going on there, so much history and myth, sort of, that it's not hard to imagine that a lot of people have sort of a similar story. Yeah, there's not, I wouldn't say everyone, but there's quite a few. And if you talk to some of the night custodians that work, you know, in the middle of the night, they have some odd ones, too. Um, those, I mean, I've had people tell me they see a woman in a wedding dress floating across the river, and I'm like, oh, yeah, right, you know. But, but isn't that, like, kind of plausible in your line of work? Because, like, you do have... Uh, like you said, Snow White's wishing well, and it's like a little louder mm-hmm. during the day. Like it's a little, or during it's a little louder at night because there's not people to drown it out. So right. there's just like, I mean, there is like viably like someone like maybe is testing some new attraction on the lake, and there is like a white, mm-hmm. you know, there is a white character yeah. one night or whatever. Like, it, like that could it's actually possible. happen, right? More than it could like at the high school or whatever. Right, it's possible. There was this thing we there was in the Roger Rabbit attraction in toontown there was everyone had always said that there's a little boy that runs through there at night um because there was a, a kid that was killed there um because of something he did not disney um but he jumped out of a car or whatever and had it was in a hospital a while and then eventually died but you know i've heard that story of at night a kid running through there and i was in there one night and heard some footsteps running and stuff so i don't know but, cool. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Haunted Disney. Is Disney World also haunted or is it Disneyland because it's got more history? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure every place has their – I mean, even the school I work at, we, I have some weird stuff happen. So, Do you ever go to Disney World? We, I've been there once. My wife, for our honeymoon, we went there. When I was working at Disneyland, we, were, we got a little discount. So we went there for our honeymoon. How's it compare? It's bigger. I don't think it's – I don't think it's as good because it's not as quaint and it doesn't have because Walt never walked through it. He walked in that land, but the but the park was never built. But Walt, you know, had his hand in this in Disneyland. You know, he walked it, he built it. You know, he helped build it. Um, so I think it has that specialness about it. Well, Lynn, thank you again for uh, the bonus segment, the bonus stories. I really enjoyed hearing them. And um, the, again, uh, book. The podcast is called The Sweep Spot. The book is called Cleaning the Kingdom. Uh, everyone check them out. Lynn, thank you again. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jeff. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>